The hot stove continues to heat up, but the Nationals, they may not just be in on a couple free agents. They also could be looking to make a splash on the trade market. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you all for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Clary. You can catch me over on Twitter at RyanClary11 and as well as the show page at LO underscore Nationals. For all your latest Nationals news and notes, just make sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods. Again, search Locked On Nationals wherever you get your podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And so later on in today's show, we will be kind of recapping a little bit of a busy weekend here as the NL East is kind of getting a little active in the free agency market, and as well as some big-time free agents being linked to the NL East or the Nationals. And on these guys, we'll discuss that later on in the show. But also, as we kind of look into the trade market for the Nationals today, the Nationals, they have one obvious strength in the farm system, and that is at the top of their farm. And it's all their outfielding prospects. Could the Nationals look to move on from some of these outfield prospects in order to try to, you know, spread the wealth around the prospects, get some more really just help and depth in this system. We're going to discuss that a little bit later on, but let's get into kind of some rumors here because again, Jim Bowden from SiriusXM writes for the athletic as well. Former GM with the Washington Nationals, someone who has connections inside this national organization today on SiriusXM, kind of dropped a little bit of a, little nugget for us Nationals fans and for myself, the dummies like me who are going to take this and probably run with it. He kind of threw out the idea of the Nationals. They might be interested in Shane Bieber. Now, interested may be a stretch, but he said that they could kind of see the Nationals kind of prying, try to pry away Shane Bieber from those Cleveland Guardians because we know this, that the Guardians, they're going to be shopping Shane Bieber. And in fact, I'd be a little bit stunned if they don't move off of Bieber some point this winter just because he's heading into a free agency year. He's going to be a free agent after this year. And Shane Bieber, who probably will get a pretty big payday winning a Cy Young back in 2020 and 2021, just being a dominant pitcher in itself. And really, there's a big game effect when it comes to Shane Bieber. You kind of look at him. And a lot of people talk about big game number one pitcher. Shane Bieber is that guy who could be an ace of a team. Now, he did take a little bit of a step back this year. He has been injured in two of the last three seasons. But overall, Shane Bieber is still that kind of Cy Young prominent guy, especially heading into a free agency year. He knows what's on the line for him. If he were to actually just kind of go out and ball out this season, he's probably going to have a pretty big payday coming his way. Now, when Jim Bowden says this, it just kind of makes me think, because number one, what would it really take to get Shane Bieber here? What would the Nationals have to give up? 
because here's where I kind of take a step back here a little bit and say, eh, do I want to do this? Shane Bieber getting him into the starting rotation? Yes, of course we want Shane Bieber here. Of course the Nationals would need Shane Bieber. It would be a huge step up in multiple categories. The Nationals, they just need a bona fide starting pitcher. When you signed Trevor Williams last offseason to try to help and bolster this starting rotation staff, that didn't work out. Patrick Corbin has not worked out. Josiah Gray took a step up this year, made the all-star game. Mackenzie Gore is looking like the real deal. Jake Irvin looked really good in his first full season up in the majors. There's a lot of different things where you can kind of look and point at and say, this could be happening. But on the flip side of it, at what price? Because that's really what it comes down to when discussing Shane Bieber. Because I don't think the Guardians are just going to be giving Shane Bieber away for some, you know, middle-tier prospect. Now, yes, he is a free agent after this year, and he has kind of struggled. Maybe the price tag isn't what it used to be over the last few years, but still, this is still a Cy Young winner. This is still someone going out there in postseason baseball. You trust giving him in the Game 7 of the World Series. That's kind of the judgment when you talk about big-time ace caliber pitchers I still think Shane Bieber's in that category now again hasn't been the same since winning that Cy Young and as well as a triple crown back in 2020 in which again shortened MLB season COVID all that stuff so even then there's a little bit of an asterisk next to that but Shane Bieber in all stretch of the fascination here my imagination whatever you want to say about it it would be interesting to entertain this sort of deal But where the Nationals, what they can't do, they can't really afford to give up any assets down in the minor leagues that could help us down the line. Now, again, does this upgrade the team right here and right now? Absolutely. Shane Bieber is going to be an impact kind of player if the Nationals were to go that route. But at what cost? I don't want to be giving up some of your top outfielding prospects or maybe a Cade Cavalli. I don't know what the price tag would be. But I'm not in that business to give up one of your top prospects or maybe two of your top 10 prospects in your organization for someone who may not even be here after this season. The Nationals, it would help us a ton. It would be great to get Shane Bieber. Because again, the Nationals, this is kind of where we are at when it comes to trading for guys or maybe trading away other guys. There's kind of a fork in the road here. There's two different directions in which this could go. Number one, You have Shane Bieber, and you also extend him. Everything goes well. And Shane Bieber is Shane Bieber of what we all knew back in 2020 and prior to that. Or on the other side of it, you trade for Shane Bieber. The injuries are here. And then also, on the other hand, you probably trade him at the deadline. And what do you get back in return? Probably not as much as what you're going to be giving up this second. So if the Nationals were to play this game with someone like Shane Bieber, My answer to that would be, at what cost? I would not be trading for Shane Bieber unless you have a contract extension set in stone. He's represented by Drew Rosenhaus, kind of the sports agency, just palace, you could say. Someone who's really more so known for his work in the NFL, but still has some clients in the MLB as well. Shane Bieber fits that category. It's a very smart agency. I don't think Shane Bieber is going to be someone who will sign an extension after coming off a little bit of a downward year. He knows what he's got left in the tank. Still in his late 20s, could have a big payday if he were to really step up throughout the 2024 season. 
Now, on the other hand of this, it would make the Nationals better. And the Nationals, they do need someone of Shane Bieber's caliber to really kind of take this starting pitching rotation to another step up, hopefully, and to get back into postseason contention. But again, you go back to the price of what it would take to get him. That's where it's kind of a little tricky, and that's where it may not be worth it in my mind. But there's also kind of another name, someone who hasn't really been linked to the Nationals, but this is someone who I would actually really like. 2021 Rookie of the Year, second baseman Jonathan India from the Cincinnati Reds. They're looking to move off him. They've been really kind of reluctant to trade him up to this moment in time, but it looks as if they are going to trade him this offseason. Really just kind of clear some space up for all their prospects and all that fun stuff because up the middle, they got a ton of guys who are going to be there, and Jonathan India just seemed to be the odd man out. Over this year, 2023, he had 17 home runs, 61 RBIs, 244 batting average, and a 746 OPS. And again, 2021, he was the NL Rookie of the Year, having an 839, 835 OPS, 21 home runs, 69 RBIs, and just looked really, really, really good over in that up-the-middle position. Second base, short, he can really kind of play anywhere on this diamond. But would the Nationals kind of be in this market to trade for someone like Jonathan India? Because this is kind of something to where, in my mind, I may be the oddball out here. I would actually really like to trade for someone like Jonathan India. Because, again, someone who is under contract through 2027, who will be here in Washington, D.C., hopefully for our next postseason team, which at this point in time, I would say he probably will be, and really could help this team kind of get moving forward. Because Jonathan India, one thing has really kind of stuck out to him, besides just his play on the field. Jonathan Indy is also just this great ultra clubhouse guy who kind of gels and really makes everything mesh together. The Cincinnati Reds, they're going to be looking to move off someone like him. Now, again, kind of similar with Shane Bieber, what will the price tag be? Well, the price tag would probably be somewhere similar to getting a Shane Bieber type. You'd probably have to give up one of your top outfielding prospects. No one like James Wood or Dylan Cruz, but maybe a Robert Hassel, maybe Elijah Green, Christian McCarrow, guys like that who maybe the Nationals might not want to move off of. But also at the end of the day, I think Jonathan India would probably have a much bigger impact on this team than what we may think. Had 100 OPS plus this year, meaning he was an average MLB hitter, which is good because again, let's kind of remind us of this, this from this year. The Nationals, they don't really have that many average MLB hitters. The Nationals, they need to get better in multiple categories when it comes to offense. They need better runner and scoring position numbers. They need better slugging numbers. They need better on base numbers. They need a lot of different things that I think Jonathan India playing a solid second base for us would probably do pretty well for. Now, again, you could also say, well, Luis Garcia, he showed similar promise, not to the way that... Um, that Jonathan India has, but still, Jonathan India would be a major upgrade over someone like Luis Garcia. And again, we've kind of seen it with Garcia. We've given him his opportunities. And yes, of course, I've been the one to say it. I think the Nationals have really kind of put Garcia in terrible situations. But also on the other hand, Jonathan India is someone who could help you right here and right now. And also for the price that I think you're going to be getting him for, it may be worth kicking the tires on if the Nationals were to decide to go that route. Now, this is just me kind of talking to this 
into fruition. If the Nationals are interested in him, please go get him. Please get yourself better. Get your offense better and get yourself in a position to where you can take this next jump forward without kind of costing yourself some farm prospects. Now, when we talk about prospects here, the Nationals, they got one position that is absolutely loaded. You may think, well, we could trade off some of these outfielding prospects, right? Because we have so many of them. Why don't the Nationals go out and trade some of these outfield prospects to get better, to get starting pitching, to get a second baseman, to get a third, whatever it may be? Why don't they do that? Well, I'm going to tell you why the Nationals should not be trading away outfield prospects at this moment in time. But before we do that, let me tell you guys about our friends over at FanDuel and score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is just so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And of course, tonight is the game of the year with the Chiefs and the Eagles on Monday Night Football. I'm going to hammer the Eagles on the money line. They've only lost one game all year. Is tonight really going to be the night that Andy Reid gets his revenge against his old team? I don't think so. I got the Eagles winning Monday Night Football, so you can do that and just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Now we get back into it as, again, the Nationals, They've got one loaded position group here, and that is their outfielding prospects. It starts with Dylan Cruz and James Wood, Dalen Lyle, Elijah Green, Robert Hassel, Christian Vaccaro, Andrew Pinckney, Jeremy De La Rosa, and Jacob Young. That is a very, very strong core group of outfielding prospects. A lot of guys who have different talent. Jacob Young being at the back half of that group. Speedster, solid defender. Good bats for average. Doesn't really strike out as much as someone of his talent should probably should be. Then you have Elijah Green, someone who is filled with talent, potentially the highest ceiling of all of these guys, but still striking out 40% of the time. The power hasn't really come through his minor league career so far. Then there's Dylan Cruz, the five-tool wonder. James Wood, top 10 prospect in baseball. Dalen Lyle, your second-round pick, who's really kind of sprouting and becoming this big prospect, which the Nationals could account for down the line. Andrew Pinckney, 2023 draft pick, looked really good, showed a lot of promise with power, getting on base over the course of the 2023 season. A lot of different guys where you can look at and say, why wouldn't you try to move off some of these guys? Why wouldn't you try to get and kind of spread the wealth around your prospect group, try to get better starting pitching? Why don't you try to get... A, maybe a better third base, whatever it is, the Nationals, they've got some options. At least that's what you would think at this moment in time. But I'm here to tell you why the Nationals should not be moving off your outfielding prospects at this time. Listen, it's really as simple as this. When you kind of look around baseball, teams are known for one thing. Like teams who are developing prospects, whether it be the Tampa Bay Rays, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Atlanta Braves, what are those teams known for? Those three teams in particular, again, I know I mentioned them a lot, but they are the cream of the crop of baseball at this moment in time. Those teams develop pitching. 
They are the teams that are known that, oh, you have this random fourth-round pick out of college, a 26-year-old who's making his jump to the major leagues. This guy's probably pretty good, and guess what? He's got a 2-9 ERA in his first 15 starts up in the big leagues. Things like that happen a lot of different times, whether it be Spencer Strider with the Atlanta Braves over the last few years. Looked really good, kind of came out of nowhere, really. And then, of course, there's others as well. There's so many other cases with the Dodgers and with the Rays. Those are what those teams do best. Over the years, the Nationals, they've done one thing really damn well, and that is produce outfielding prospects. It starts with Bryce Harper. Goes to Juan Soto. Victor Robles at one time was a big promising prospect. James Wood. Dylan Cruz is now in that conversation as well. Christian Vaccaro. There's a lot of different guys you could say. The Nationals have done really well in this department. They've done this over the years. And really, it's proven to be a pretty damn good process in which Mike Rizzo has done here. Now, on the other hand of it, this is kind of why I wouldn't want to trade away any of these guys. Not even Jeremy De La Rosa at this moment in time. Jeremy De La Rosa, again, someone who did and kind of had once at one time a promising future. A lot of people liked him. He's got an interesting skill set. He's got a little bit of pop in there. Can play some defense. Has a little speed to go with it. But on the flip side, why would you move off one of your strongest categories down in the minor leagues? Because after that, after the outfielding prospects go for this Nationals team, and really what we are doing, which is stockpiling young talent, refurbishing the farm system, and trying to flush really the 2010s run out of our system here. What would happen? The Nationals, they would no longer have this strength down in the farm system. And if you were to take away that strength, what would it be then? If you were to try to trade away some of these prospects and try to get better at other positions in the farm system, which... It could happen, or you try to better yourself up in the major league roster as well and trade for guys like Jonathan India. What would your strength then be? Because here's the thing, and here's the reality of it. James Wood and Dylan Cruz, I love them. I think they're going to be great, but it's no guarantee. Victor Robles, we all thought he was going to be great. There's no guarantee. We all thought Steven Strasburg would have a 20-year career and win multiple Cy Youngs. Doesn't always pan out like that. You never know what's going to be coming your way. And in this rebuild, when, you know, you're on the fence, if that about winning in 2024, why would you look to move off your prospects who hadn't even really necessarily developed up to this point? You still have a lot of time. Time is in the Nationals' favor at this moment. It really is. You don't have to rush your way up with these prospects. It would be nice to see them kind of rush their way up. But at the end of the day, that's not really the priority of this team. The priority of this team is getting those younger prospects and hopefully turning them into some really good ball players. Hopefully a few of them could be some superstars or all-stars at the end of the day. But right now, moving off of them to try to get better in other positions, it may look good on the front of it, but on the back end of it, you're also taking away one of your strengths in the farm system in which, number one, you just never really know with these guys. You never know what Dylan Cruz is going to be. We could sit here and say he's going to be an MVP candidate someday. It's an easy answer to say. Same for James Wood. It's easy to sit here and say he's going to hit 40 home runs in the major someday. But the reality of it is we don't necessarily know if that is 100% true yet. These are two both 21-year-olds. And again, you also have Andrew Pinckney, who's 
really good, promising prospect. We don't know if he's going to be able to continue this in 2024. And then Christian Vaccaro, someone who is kind of nicknamed the phenomenon coming out of Cuba as well as the DR. You don't know what he's going to be. He's still a teenager for all we know. There's a lot of different things that the Nationals could kind of maneuver through and get better at. But also, you don't want to take away one of your strengths because other than that, other than the outfielding prospects, where does the strengths come in the national system? Not really pitching. They do have some depth when it comes to pitching, but nowhere near the outfielding prospects. As far as infielders go, you have Brady House. That's it. You don't really have that many prospects that you can kind of cling to and say, this is going to be a guy outside of the outfielding prospects. There's a handful of them. Some of them are really good. But also, on the other hand, you don't want to give away that wealth at this moment in time because that wealth won't be your wealth anymore if you decide to start shipping them off to improve your major league roster. And I could be wrong on this. I could be 100% wrong. Comment down in the YouTube section. DM me at RyanClary11. Tweet at me. Tweet at the show at LO underscore Nationals. But at this moment, I'm not looking to trade away any of those guys. You kind of have to find ways to piece together trades if you were to do that. Give away your lower tier prospects. And if you were to trade away one of these outfielding prospects outside of Dylan Cruz and James Wood and Christian Vaccaro, you could talk me into it and I'd be more than happy with it. But I'm not pairing up multiple guys and try to send them off and say, we need to upgrade right here and right now. You got to trust the process. And Mike Rizzo, he's got a process when it comes to this. Mike Rizzo, he's not... um, the worst when it comes to making trades. We've talked about that a lot of times. But I also don't want to give away one of your strengths in this system just to get yourself better at a position in which maybe you could sign someone in free agency for. Maybe you can kind of have someone and develop for your own in your farm system. There's a lot of different ways the Nationals could go with this. But at this moment, I'm not giving away our top outfielding prospects in the top 30, not even a Jacob Young at this moment in time. You still got to hold on to that process. You still got to see things through. I'm not giving up any of these guys at this moment in time, even for the likes of Jonathan in the India, as well as Shane Bieber. It just doesn't necessarily make sense to me at this moment in time. And most importantly, we got to keep that strength a strength for these nationals. Thank you all for making Locked On Nets your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And of course, check us out again, wherever you get your pods, just search Locked On Nationals. And also Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7 covering the top stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Again, that is Locked On Sports Today. After this, we're going to kind of go around the NL East here as the Braves as well as the Phillies. They're both very active in the free agency market, but also talk about some of the Nationals and what could be coming down the road for them. I'll tell you a little bit more after this. Thank you all for making Locked on Nets your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And of course, check us out. Search LO underscore Nationals on Twitter, and as well as just search Locked On Nationals on YouTube and make sure to subscribe over there. So the Braves and the Philadelphia Phillies, of course, these are the two 
more active teams, you could say, in free agency up to this point. Aaron Nola signed back with the Phillies for seven years, $172 million, which on the front of it, Aaron Nola, he did have a little bit of a down year this year, but I would have given that to Aaron Nola any day of the week. Aaron Nola, big game pitcher, pitched well in the postseason. He deserved the payday, in my opinion. Now, again, mid-30s, getting up there a little bit in age, you could look at it and say, mm, is this really the best deal? For a team like the Philadelphia Phillies, who also has another aging pitcher with Zach Wheeler. They've got a little bit of an aging core, you could say. But still, Aaron Nola, the results, they are in the pudding. He has been a good pitcher. This is going to be a good signing for them. I like it. I don't I don't like it as a Nationals fan. That's one who roots for the team and roots against the Philadelphia Phillies in particular. But still, this is something that is good. They needed to do it. I was hoping the Nationals would be in this market. That was the longest of long shots of this offseason. But still, he supposedly has declined more money from teams that may have been like the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves were super in on Aaron Nola. He declined more money to stay with the Philadelphia Phillies. He probably could have gotten a little bit more. And just one thing on that, I wish. I just wish that could be our team one day. I wish that could be anyone's team one day. There's not really many players in baseball who would decline more money elsewhere to stay with their hometown team. So good for Aaron Ola, good for the Philadelphia Phillies, but ultimately bad for the NL East because Aaron Ola is going to be still in the division, probably shoving on us for the next seven plus years. So you get what you get, I guess. That's fun. Another team to watch out for when it comes to adding starting pitching And this is kind of the tier two bucket, but in my opinion, I think this could probably be the best value. And of course, this guy is going to be at landing with the Atlanta Braves from what it looks like, at least so far. That is Sonny Gray. He has been linked to the Atlanta Braves. And again, another kind of long shot, wishful thinking here. I wanted Sonny Gray here in Washington, D.C. I wanted him to be that guy because he is just kind of someone who has pitched so damn well for the Minnesota Twins and really ever since his Cincinnati Reds days. He has been a damn good pitcher, a damn consistent pitcher as well over the years. For some reason, he just doesn't get the national hype of guys like Aaron Nola. He doesn't get the hype of name that big time starting pitcher. But Sonny Gray has been very good since the pandemic and has really just been consistently a great pitcher. Someone who's going to be your number one or your number two starting pitcher. But even for someone like the Atlanta Braves, adding someone like Sonny Gray Number one, whatever contract he signs, I think the value is going to be there. Absolutely. Because if you look at his numbers over the last few years, Sonny Gray, he's been better than Aaron Nola. Now, again, I really like Aaron Nola. He had a down year in 2023. Obviously, it didn't really hinder what the Phillies thought of him. They gave him seven years, $172 million. But Sonny Gray is not going to be getting that deal. He's not going to be getting a seven-year, $170 million contract. He could be in the market for like a five-year maybe $120 million. I don't really know at this moment in time. I don't know what he could be getting, but still, the Atlanta Braves are linked to him, and the rich could be getting richer in which the starting pitching market. I think the Sonny Gray signing for the Braves, I'm kind of talking to it like it's going to happen because that's really what all the momentum seems to be at this moment. Sonny Gray would be a very good signing for the Atlanta Braves, and that would kind of be annoying because this is what the Braves do. They wake up, they find the best value, and then they sign that player. They wake up again. 
They find that player with the best value, and they trade for him. This is what the Braves do. It has them written all over it because, again, Sonny Gray, for whatever reason, has just been the sleeping giant in baseball. No one really cares too much about really his progression and really all these different things that he has done oh so damn well over the years. But I'm telling you right now, he's going to be going to the Braves, and there's going to be Cy Young conversation around Sonny Gray in the year of 2024 if he does show up with them. But the Nationals, they're going to be active as well. And this is kind of something that I'm going to throw out there right here, right now, and kind of dangle this carrot, maybe talk about it on tomorrow's show as to why I could see it. I would watch out for the Washington National signing Lucas Giolito. That will be interesting because, again, former top prospect, big-time prospect out of high school with the Nationals, drafted him in the first round, I believe, back in 2014. Had some rough stretches here with the Nationals. His debut was kind of a disaster a little bit, trading him away for Adam Eaton as well as Ronaldo Lopez and Dane Dunning in that deal. Lucas Giolito is someone who got DFA'd by the Los Angeles Angels at the back end of the season, picked up by the Guardians. Didn't really pitch all too well down the stretch. Is not going to be getting a multi-year deal, which, by the way, if you look at his numbers even before this season, you would say, yeah, this guy is not going to be someone who's going to get a big-time extension. But the Nationals, they could be in this market of trying to get some high-end talent on one-year pillow kind of contracts. Lucas Giolito is going to be an interesting name. And on tomorrow's show, that's the one we're going to tackle because as I think about it, this would make a lot of sense for this national team. Someone who has a high upside, someone who you could trade at the deadline. And again, that high upside, someone you could trade at the deadline coming with a one-year contract, that's going to be enticing for this Nationals team who may not be wanting to give big-time contracts out right this second. Someone who could also be looking to improve starting pitching, which this Nationals team, they've shown it. They want to add starting pitching, and that is the full-on expectation of this offseason. Nationals, watch out for Lucas Gilita. I'm going to tell you why on tomorrow's Locked On Nationals. But until then, I will catch you guys on Tuesday. It is Thanksgiving week. I hope you guys enjoy it. But until then, I'll catch you on the flip side. Have a good one.